Welcome to the Universal Sisterhood Podcast. We're hoping to create a place where women can delve deeper, lift their gaze higher, live freer, laugh louder, smile brighter, and be the authentic woman she was designed to be. Every human heart is created to be known, loved, and understood. So this is the place where women can share their stories. Welcome to episode 60. St. Irenaeus has been quoted as saying, the glory of God is man fully alive. In this episode, you get to hear my very own mother Marie tell her story of marrying and living with an alcoholic husband. After a few years of watching him slowly drown in his own alcoholism, and she slowly drown in her own identity, she realised that she and he were both wounded and were in desperate need of healing. Just as Jesus brought healing to the Samaritan woman at the well with such simplicity, he gave my mother, as he gives each and every one of us, the same simple healing. He invited her to encounter himself in a real, tangible way. He revealed her brokenness and gave her the most perfect medicine, the knowledge that she was unconditionally loved by him. This love and truth heals all wounds. It heals her wounds, it heals my father's wounds, it heals each and every one of us in the places that we are the most wounded. Because she knew she was loved by him, she knew she had to love her alcoholic husband the same way. My mum chose to love the alcoholic man, not the alcoholism. And this made all the difference. Enjoy listening to mum's story. I know it cost her a lot to tell it, and it cost me a lot to hear it, but I'm sure it will make all the difference. Today on the podcast, I have my most treasured guest, and that is my mum. So I'm sure many of you know who she is, but don't know her story and today we are privileged to hear her story. Um, so before we begin, could you please introduce yourself and let us know something about you, what your life looks like at the moment? My life at the moment, my name's Marie. I'm married to Michael for the last 47 years, I think it is. Um, I had five children and um, we're expecting our 15th grandchild. In a few Fifteenth, oh. was it? Fifteen in a few weeks. Yeah, I, I should know that. You should know that. <laughs> I didn't know it was your fifteenth. Congratulations. <laughs> um, okay, so today I have interviewed many women, and they all have amazing, beautiful, hard, good, but glorious stories. And your story is no exception. Um. I only know it from my perspective. I've never heard your story from your perspective. And I can't wait for you to show us what life was like for you and 
how it molded you and formed you and why you are the incredible woman you are today. So let's wind back 20, how many years did you say you're married? <laughs> I think it's 47. Okay, so let's wind back maybe 60 years. 60? Uh, yeah, let's go back, right, right back. Mm. And what was your life like as a young girl? Well, I was the youngest of three. Um, I was, my mum thought she had an ulcer when she was, um, she went to the doctor and the doctor, my mum had always wanted more children, but she wasn't able to have any. My sisters were, one was 15 and the other was 13 when I was born. Mm. And so she went to the doctor thinking she had an ulcer, but the doctor confirmed that she was indeed pregnant. So she was so grateful to God that she said that if it's a boy that, She'll call him Michael and she wanted God to take him back as a priest. Well, she didn't get Michael. She got me, but I married a Michael. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. So I'm still waiting for that Michael to become a priest. <laughs> well, you've got a, you've got a, uh, a grandchild, Michael. I, I know. <laughs> yeah, I've got lots of grandsons, so you never know what might happen. No, you never know. Um, but she didn't have her Michael. She had Marie, and I'm sure she was incredibly pleased. <laughs> yes? Absolutely. I was doted on, absolutely doted on. Um, and then um, growing up, I started going out with your dad, mm. and I'd lived in a, you know, virtually my sisters were married by the time I was eight. So I'd been living at home and um, with my parents, and it wasn't it wasn't an easy life, I have to say. It was fraught with with difficulty, um, but I wanted I wanted a new life, and and I met your dad, and he was full of enthusiasm, as you know he he is. Mm -hmm. He he had great optimism for the future. So um, we'd known each other for six years. And he, uh, we became engaged. But shortly after that, he broke the engagement because he didn't really want to settle down at that early stage. So we how, how old? How old were you? Well, I must have been 21. And he was 22. 22. We were married, yeah. Um, no, I must have been 20. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so we dated other people for nine, nine or so months, but we got back together and, and we decided after a lot of talking that we would get married and we we got married within six weeks mm. um and he came from a wonderful family he, he he was never indulged with material things but he didn't want for anything um his parents were practicing christians and um even though religion wasn't a priority in dad's life he, he was happy for me to practice my faith and to raise our children as catholics so he had that wonderful openness you know mm. he was complicated person he was an open-minded generous person hmm. he wasn't restricting not at all no yeah. no except I must say funnily funnily enough he said when we get married I don't want any images of Mary or the Pope in the house <laughs> okay so um I Subsequently, he's the one that's brought all the images of Mary in our house. I was going to say, times have changed. Is yeah, there a time... picture of me with the Pope in the house <laughs> and your hand? That's right. Um, but there's the, the images and, and things that I have here are 
dad's bought. So times certainly have changed. Um, mm. But it wasn't long after we got married that um, uh, my, uh, dad had to get a second job to, you know, uh, mm. help her. You know, we, I wasn't working. Oh, yes, I was. I did I did work when we were first married. Um, and uh, I didn't realise that he worked in a club after he, he worked uh, in his business. He worked in a club at night to bring in extra... What, what, pulling beers or cleaning? Yeah, or yeah, yeah, and he worked as a bar, barman in a club. Mm-hmm. And I thought clubs closed about 1am. I had no idea till many years later that clubs closed much earlier than that. But Dad would start working work, so um, it was it was. I was very lonely. I have to say, I, I I didn't have a car. I didn't have a phone. We lived in the country away from my family, um, and things became began to become quite difficult. Um, Did you have any children at this point? No, no. Anna was born about twelve months later, and um, and then. Dad lost his practicing certificate to work in the field he was in, and so we moved back to to, to Sydney. Um, my mum had died um, just after Anna was born, and I, I remember her when I went to visit her. She's I never told my mother about Dad because I didn't want to burden her with any more sadness. She was already struggling with her own health. So, so when you say about Dad, what was he like? Well, he, his drinking was becoming a really big problem uh, and he was not able to show me any affection. Um, and I used to think if he'd just pat me on the head, something, just show me something. Mm. But he couldn't because, you know, he was beginning to hate himself So and what he was becoming. He didn't mm. like himself and he can't love another person until you can, you know, have mm. a love for yourself. Mm. So my self-worth was very damaged by then. Mm. But we moved back to Sydney and he was in and out of jobs and his drinking became, he, he turned more and more to alcohol and it was quite, quite, quite difficult. Um, um, I, then you were born. Mm. Um, and so, so we're, we're drinking, uh, like how, how much would he drink a night? Well, I was he he, um, he drank quite a bit. I I can't rem- recall, but what I can recall is I knew the moment he walked in the door, he'd been drinking. And we had chooks down at we moved in with my dad, and he had chooks in the bottom of the garden. And Dad used to go down there under the pretense of collecting the eggs, but he actually used to keep something, some sort of alcohol down in the chook pen. Um, mm. Away only, from Dad. Away from me. Um, or my dad, or dad, your dad was the one that went down to collect the eggs. So he'd come back up. Oh, and, I thought you meant oh, pa. No, no, no. I'd, I'd know immediately he'd been drinking because I could see it in his face. I could see it in his eyes. Mm. And it was like a, a sword was just, a, you know, a knife in your heart, you know. Mm. Here are little babies and it was, I, I won't go into all the details, but it was very, very difficult. Um, and my self-worth was very damaged because mm. the disease of alcoholism um, often causes the alcoholic to offload his guilt onto someone else. Mm. And that's usually a spouse or a parent or a child. Um, 
So they, they don't want to face up to reality. So it's easy to blame somebody else rather than to face themselves. Mm. So um, going back to when my mum, when Anna was born, I went to see mum in hospital and she said, darling, I've walked the earth for you. Wait and see what I do for you when I go to heaven. Mm. And honestly, my life began to change the moment my mum died. Um, I, I was put in touch with some other women um, who's, who were also living with uh, people with drinking problems. And they so got, how, and can, they, I just, can I just ask, how did you uh, find these women? Like how do you clearly reached out to somebody in desperation? I, I reached out to a relative right. who was uh, living with an alcoholic mm-hmm. and and she was a very wise, very gracious, wonderful person. Mm. And they gave me hope. Um, mm. they, they, they shared their experience with me, their, their strength and their love, and they gave me hope. And What made you reach out? Well, I had two little babies and I, um, I had to go and sleep in with Anna quite often. Mm. The circumstances. Um, we didn't have any money. Uh, we didn't have a home. We were living with my father, um, and it was just getting worse. So, yeah. you know, I don't. I don't want to go into too much detail, but it was just very unpalatable. But so, so was it like you were completely down on your knees? Like there was nowhere else to go. You'd reached rock bottom, or. Thought, uh, I've got to nip this in the bud before it gets even worse. Not nip it in the no, bud, but I have to. I was just getting sicker uh, myself. Um, I'd been in public relations before I got married, so I was quite confident. Um, but by the time you were born, my confidence was gone. I was beginning to believe the things the lies that he I, was saying. Oh, yeah, I, that I was useless. Mm. So I had to get help for myself and for you and it's Mm. you know people often put up with things themselves but when it when children are involved they will step out yeah and isn't that isn't that such a a blessing with children and people say oh I couldn't possibly have another baby or I couldn't do this because he won't you know he'll just hit the roof or but they are they're the ones that bring they bring they, they can they can they can if you allow them yeah bring that grace in exactly yeah so because I had these you two little girls I I had to do something so I started to get help for myself and and that's the interesting thing um you cannot change another person you can only change yourself mm. and so often my dad and I and give talks to young engaged couples Um, and and so many people think they've found the one and my life's going to be wonderful and everything's, you know, perfect and they put all their hope into a person Mm. and a person will never fulfil you. No. God will fulfil us. So, and you can't expect them to. You can't because they never, they can't. No, they they, can't. And so we put all our energy and our hope and our desire and our wants and needs on somebody and they can't bear that cross no it's too heavy too heavy it's too much only god we're made you know like the the prayer to saint augustine of saint augustine our hearts are made for thee O lord and restless are they until they find their peace in thee Mm. 
we are drawn to God, mm. whether we like it or not. We're we're drawn to God, and um, another person can't can't fulfil that. Um, so I was very blessed. I don't know how. I don't know who looked after you. I don't know how it happened. I can't remember. But I went on a retreat, and on that retreat, it absolutely opened my eyes that I was loved by God. Mm. Um, and that I, I was the daughter of the king. <laughs> mm. And on that retreat, I came away knowing that I was loved unconditionally and I had to love others unconditionally. Mm. So I was able to love dad unconditionally. Um, and I was able to give affection where he couldn't give affection to me. I because touch is very important. Affection. We're all made for to be wanted, needed, and loved. That's mm. in the heart of every human being. And and he was hurting. He was damaged. Mm. And and I was able to show that affection and little by little pull away the props and allow him to face the consequences of his actions. And that took me enormous courage. Mm because I'm living in a situation where I'm blamed for everything. Mm. So having to sort of allow him to, I mean, I remember one morning we came home from a party, I'd driven home and he was too drunk to get out of the car. So I left him in the car mm. and dad and I went out the next morning to go to mass and, and your dad was still in the car mm. and he to wake up to see what his drinking was doing to himself. Mm. Um, there were other stories that I really don't want to go into publicly, but um, mm -hmm. to allow him to face the consequences and the courage it took me to do something so silly. Um, yeah. It wasn't silly. <laughs> no, no. I, I wish I could be more specific, but I, for dignity's sake, I will refrain. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, I gradually grew in confidence and I was getting the help from the source of, of love, God Himself. So I began mm. my self worth. Um, and so that beautiful how He makes all things new. Absolutely. I mean, this what? is we give. I mean, I'm not telling you anything today that He Michael wouldn't tell, speak yeah. about. He's given this oh, talk. I've I've heard him talk the story <laughs> <laughs> I, many times. Or people have told it to me. You know, oh, I heard your dad's story, and they'll just tell me the story. I, the, Actually, I haven't heard him. I've heard it from other people. So I have heard it many times, but never actually from him. Yeah. So, um, um, but he goes into lots of detail. So don't worry. Yeah. I'm not saying anything, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But um, he needed my unconditional love. So, how, how could I do that? As a human being, you have to go to the source because you can't, you, we can't do it. We just can't on our own. So, um, God gave me that unconditional love. I was able to show it to him. And then um, little by little, things begin to, began to improve, um, began to see the meaning in my day-to-day -day life. Um, the hidden things, you know, the mundane, the laundry, the cleaning, the shopping, endless pickups and drop-offs, all the little things that we do as mothers, I could offer that up to God. Um, and the fact that we have life, that is in itself is beautiful and it's to be cherished and to be we've got to show gratitude for the simple and mm. I think 
you know, today in the West, um, we take things for granted so much. I, I work in a school and I try to teach the children in school to say thank you, God, every morning for the warm bed you woke up in, for the full, mm. full tummy, for mum driving you to school. There are children, you know, everywhere in the world who don't have those, you know, pleasures, those those. They walk to school. They don't have food. They don't have warm beds, you know. So we in the West have to be grateful. We have to learn to show gratitude and to be thankful for the simple, you know, mundane things of our lives. Everything is a gift. Everything. Just, to, just to breathe is, to, is a gift. I've discovered, that, you know, I know it sounds so silly that I've only just discovered this, but at 44 I've discovered that, Every single thing is a gift. Absolutely. You know, everything, not not just do the big things and, you know, a nice cosy bed, but just not to be everything. able to, for my children to have an argument, the fact that they can voice their opinion, <laughs> it, you know, yeah. everything is a gift. Life, life is a gift. Yeah. 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 That, um, I remember my, um, your pop, um, Dad's father, he wasn't Catholic, and he said to me, why did you stay in that marriage? And as a young girl, I didn't know what I know today mm. in terms of my faith, but I knew that in the Catholic Church, marriage was a commitment between the couple and God. It was a, you know, and I knew it was forever. And I'd, it, it never dawned on me that it wouldn't, you know, that I'd give up on that. But I did need the help of God to get through it. Hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah, and I I know that everyone has different circumstances and um, they all face different challenges. Um, but when we rely, I know it sounds quite um, not condescending. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't mean to, like platitudes that we've got to stick at it. Everybody has their own battles and I don't know what everyone is facing, but I do know that we are better off that you st stuck at it, your children. Oh, look, we've had a wonderful marriage. Mm. We've, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying there are some people in circumstances that are not acceptable. Yeah. The church doesn't expect you to be in a situation where you are in danger or anything like that. Um, but I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to God. And that's why we give the talk to the engaged couples because people give up on marriage too easily today. Mm. And yet it's through those struggles with the grace of God that you can have a very rich and happy life. Mm. I was listening to Sister Miriam yesterday. And she was talking about trauma and she said the only way through trauma or the only way to get to the other side of trauma is through it. You it's, can't go over it. You can't go around it. You can't go under it. You have to go through it. Exactly. And, and you know, as Christians, we know that when we accept the trauma, if you like, we're, we're joining our Lord on the cross mm. and he has invited us. He's so gentle. He doesn't insist. He invites. Mm. And it's up to us whether we accept it or reject it. It's a gift, again. Yeah. And what a g gifts are given to be received. So you have to physically and mentally 
accept it. Yeah. And 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 hold him to get through it. Exactly. And look, we've had we've had a, a most wonderful marriage and a wonderful life together. And it hasn't been, you know, plain sailing. Uh, we have less today than we've had ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. but we have more. You have less material things, you mean? Less material things, but we have more mm. in spiritual things. Mm. We're richer. Yeah. He's in- a generous giver. When you exactly. when you give a little bit, he, he never outdoes you in generosity. Never. All right. So um, he's in the car. You're off to mass with Pa. With pa. Yeah. And Dad wakes up and sees you. Well, he, he falls out of the car. because I had to I had to as I said I had to remove the props and the courage it took me to remove the props were enormous was enormous so can I can I just ask so those props was that also holding you up holding your dignity um was it like um putting on not a facade but trying to cover the patches in public and it falling apart behind the doors or was it just his props definitely covering up um trying to hold you know um you know i you you don't want to reveal yourself you know i i never told anyone Mm -hmm. tell my sisters i didn't tell my parents i you know i didn't want anyone to think badly of him but there was a time where i had to go now this is the big one i had to go and buy two separate beds And for a man, that's a bit heavy. Yeah. <laughs> Mind you, they were joined together, but I couldn't live in that circumstance any longer. So I always wondered why you had two beds pushed together. <laughs> we don't anymore. No, but you well, did growing up. And I used to think, this is so ridiculous. You just fall <laughs> through the middle. <laughs> well, I that was that was huh. yeah, a necessity. So um that I, I had to say to Dad, you don't think you have a problem, but I can't live in this situation anymore um, and we need to do something. So we went and bought two separate beds um, and I was restored to a bit of dignity. Mm. Um, so, as I said, that took me enormous courage. Mm. Now, mm. if someone was, you know, when I think back, how on earth did I put up with that for so long? Mm. It was because my self-worth was so poor. But little mm. by little, with God's grace, I, I grew in confidence mm. and I was able to stand up for myself and for you girls. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so he he ended up getting help for himself. How long did that take? <laughs> Hang on, let's backtrack. How long after you bought the separate beds did it take for him to go and get help? <laughs> oh, I can't remember now, but... Um, I can't remember now how long it took, but you were born, yeah. and you were you were about nine months old, I think, when Dad finally went for help. And you, poor thing, you you, I had to, you know, it was very difficult trying to feed you under all that stress. Mm. Um, yeah, that's right. I was put on carnation milk and blew up. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, you poor little thing. <laughs> I remember looking at photos thinking, why am I enormous? <laughs> and Anna is this whippet of a child. No, she was. <laughs> she was. She was. No, she wasn't. No, but you were a chubber. 
thanks thanks to carnation milk mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway so so, so uh, mum do you think you had postnatal depression as well or not no i don't think so i don't i don't recall having per- postnatal i i was fragile mm. i don't know i was never traumatized by having you girls never mm. uh it was just the situation we were living in but i i just tr- believed that one day dad would be sober and I honestly didn't realize it would happen so quickly Mm. so we were very blessed you there I'm here (laughs) you were very blessed absolutely I mean I know women who live through years and years and years of this sort of uh, situation and, and, and they don't have the blessing that I've had. Mm. And that's why, um, you know, things happen for a reason and I'm not trying to trivialise things but, you know, the death of your mum, as painful as that is and was and probably still is, um, her interceding for you in heaven was an absolute gift. So her death was a gift. Absolutely. Mm. I'm sure she knew. I'm sure she knew. But she never said anything to me either. But I know as a mother now, mothers read the You know, mothers can read between the lines. We have have instinct. Um, We have the feminine genius. Yeah. (laughs) But um, nothing was ever. But the fact that she said what she said to me. Yeah. Spoke volumes. How beautiful. She was a beautiful woman. She set such an example of faith because her life wasn't easy either. But um, I remember when my dad died, uh, I wanted to say at the funeral that they were faithful despite despite the difficulties. Because he had a lot of issues himself. He did, but he was a good man, you yeah. know, humble man. But that's human nature. We're flawed. Yeah. We're all flawed. And we, we all have our own battles. And that's we, the one thing that people don't, they don't give each other enough grace. Exactly. We, we're yeah. so quick to judge. We're so quick to jump and, and, and judge people. But we're you know, we're flawed human beings and, and without God's grace, life is a struggle. Mm. And I think we forget to realise that everybody is a little person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're all, you know, little little creations. <laughs> we're all little little people in a and, big, big yeah. world that um, we can't do on our own and we're all trying so desperately to... Um, face or get through life on our own we're, we're so little we're so so very little or, or we cover up that deep need in our hearts for god by seeking other things we want mm. we want to find it in things or in you know alcohol or sex or whatever mm. it's it's an itch that has to be scratched we've yeah. got we, we're we're drawn to God. We're drawn to goodness, and we will know, find out in nothing other than Him. And exactly, 
Um, so how did how did he come around? I remember I distinctly remember as a child um uh, find, uh you had um scapula, a green scapula under the bed, <laughs> under the mattress. I did too. Um but that was afterwards. He was so, he was he, he uh, you were only little when he went to when he got you know, stopped drinking. Um but then I I the Olivia was born and um he I'd never ever suggested that he become a Catholic because I think Spiritual things are very private things and you can never coerce anyone. It's only God's grace and prayer on our behalf. But um, I prayed that he would come to know God um, in a deeper way. And he made the decision to seek um, formation in the Catholic faith. And Olivia was baptised and Dad was baptised and made his first communion at her. Was he not baptized? He was. Um, he was had been baptized in his church originally, um, but anyway, he was he was he made his confirmation the day Olivia was baptized, uh-huh. and then we started. Um, you girls started going to school in Sydney. We were on the central coast. And you kept coming home and saying, Mummy, would you pray the rosary with me? Well, because Dad hadn't wanted any images of Our Lady in the church, in the house, I'd put Our Lady on hold. I'd forgotten how to pray the rosary. So I thought, well, I'm sending these girls to a school that says parents are the first educators. I've got to find out how to pray the rosary again. So I got a little book and I learned how to pray the rosary. And um, it was... It, <sighs> If anyone's listening to this who are not Catholic, um, so many Protestant people think we uh, adore Mary. We don't adore Mary. We try to imitate Christ, who is the perfect son, who loved his mother. And we love we love her too. Uh, and the moment I began to pray the rosary, again, another turning point in my life, my Catholic faith came back to me and not that I'd stopped going to Mass. I hadn't stopped going to Mass. Um, but I'd sort of put, put those things on hold because I was scared. I was I was nervous because of the situation I was living in. Mm. And um, the moment I started praying the rosary again, another stage in my life that she brought me to her son. Mm. That's her whole role was to bring us to her son, to give us her son. Saint so, Maximilian Colby says you can never love Our Lady more than her son did. Exactly. So don't, so don't worry. And she'll never take you away from him. She only takes you to him. So there's no fear of Our Lady. She is, you know, she's, in fact, Archbishop Fulton Sheen says, Jesus is the treasure, but Mary is the key to the treasure. So we look after that key. We don't want to lose the treasure. We have to protect the key to the treasure. And Mary is the key to the treasure. So once Our Lady came into my life, everything began began to develop in terms of understanding and depth of my faith. That's so beautiful. She she only ever draws you closer to her son. That's right. 
Yeah. Um, and, and also, you, you can't underestimate the power that children have in bringing their parents, parents back. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. It's so, I mean, you little girls brought me back to Our Lady. You know, and then we went to visit the Pope when he came, when Pope John Paul II came. Um, and you girls said, Mummy, can we go down? The school's taking a bus down to Canberra. And I thought, oh, gee, we'll see more on television than we'll see in Canberra. No, come on, let's go, they, you, you said. So off we went to Canberra to see the Pope. And that's another moment in, in my life that changed my life. You had your arms out in front of the Pope and he had his arms down to you. and. It was, but he looked at me through the crowd. I was like, there was a person in front of me and he looked straight at me and mm. it was like Jesus looking at me saying, are you with me? Mm. Are those, those encounters with the Pope, I remember so distinctly and it's like he has, it's the Holy Spirit working through oh. him, but he pierces it's like you're in a Bible story. It's yeah. like the hemorrhaging woman. Yeah. It's like it, you, you're there and he finds you in the crowd. It's absolutely, you can't, unless you've experienced it, you actually can't put that into words. When John Paul II died, I remember reading accounts of his um, encounters with people around the world and it was similar for so many people around the world, that moment of grace when he mm. looked and it was an absolute moment of grace. Mm. Yeah. It's incredible. Uh, how beautiful that the stories uh, he weaves in our lives all, like the thread goes from one generation to the next. Exactly, yeah. Exactly, yeah. It was, um, it was your 40th birthday. I remember going down to Burrowing mm -hmm. and we went to the church that morning um, after your party and, mm. and the priest that morning was thanking the original parishioners of Burrow. Yeah. They built the church and they were Irish people who'd come out here. They were potato farmers and my great-great-grandmother was buried. She was one of those original. Oh, my gosh. And she, she and her, her daughters are buried in that little graveyard at Burrowang Church. So, you know, the history, you know, our history, the ancestors, what they've passed on to us, mm. amazing. The communion of saints Absolutely. is so powerful. And, the, and, and the, we are the body of Christ. So what we, what, what we do affects other people. It affects generations. It does. It does affect generations. And that's why it's just so important to, you know, to put love into each day, to every day make a good memory. Yeah. memory. I was even thinking this morning because we, we sadly lost uh, a boy from um, the schools that we all belong to. He, he died um, tragically and suddenly on uh, this week, during the week. Um, and just the outpouring of um, prayers and grace it is tragic and horrific and I still can't get my head around the fact that, you know, something so simple like a sinus infection can cause a boy's death, a, week, a healthy boy's death a week later. But we don't see the big picture. 
we don't we I was jogging the other day and I was running along the ridge and I could see where the bushfire they were doing backburning um just a few months ago and all you could see was smoke and chaos and the other day it was um just all lush green leaves and just a trail of burnt leaves and I was thinking he knows what he's doing he's like making safeguards and you know we only see the chaos and the destruction and the you know why on earth are you doing that when he has the big bigger picture he has the the view from above and we don't exactly we're we're stuck in the in the back burning exactly um yeah it's it's so true um i I was tragic you can't get your head around things like that but he knows what he's doing and we have to trust him exactly and the grace that those parents are showing towards other people is mm. amazing. They are such an inspiration and it is God's grace that is being offloaded through them to, mm. you know, during this terribly tragic time. In their life. Mm. Oh, mum. All right. So let's fast forward to um, you've got three kids now. You're back praying the rosary. Uh, does does Dad make his faith his own, or is he? Yep. Did so he becomes a Catholic. He became. Right. A, he was baptized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he, the night we went to see the Pope in in Canberra, Dad was going to watch the Waters Brothers fight at some club up in Gosford. I, anyway, on the way. <laughs> On the, way, on the way back from Canberra, you rang him and said, Daddy, will you come and see the Pope at the Sydney Cricket Ground? And before, we are, before you asked him, we said a prayer that Dad would come. Well, Dad said yes. Again, that simplicity of soul. He, he turned away from the Waters Brothers fight and he came to Sydney Cricket Ground. And I don't know whether you'll remember it, but we all had sort of coloured ponchos. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yep, I remember. And the Pope Mobile's going round the the uh, the oval, and I look up, and who's chasing the Pope Mobile? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was just another moment. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he's the one that didn't want any images of the Pope, and that he's chasing the Pope around the oval. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> What so, colour was his poncho? I think ours were uh, yellow. I think I had red on. I can't red, remember. Red, yeah. Anyway, but there he goes. My. Uh, oh, man. So, and then, you know, he's he, he has done so much in his life, going to India and working for the poor and, and Timor and... Um, talking about addiction. You... Talking about addiction going to the Central Australia, working with the Aboriginal people, working in Timor, working in the Philippines, working in, in India. Fiji. Fiji. I mean, you know, he's he's done so much. Yeah, how beautiful. Well, thank you for being a witness to our hope and prayer and being docile, I think, to the promptings of the Holy Spirit because he was the one that was gently gently encouraging you i suppose to um, be brave 
be courageous, yeah. you know. What, what does Mary Lederberg's, she says the book she wrote was being be brave, brave in the scared. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what it was like. But I remember Father Frank Garcia saying once, he said, we're made of body and soul and we have to feed our soul as well as our, as our, as our body. He said, we wouldn't tell our body on Monday, I'm not going to eat till Friday. Mm. Oh, too, with our soul, we have to feed our soul every day. Because, mm. you know, as human beings, we're body and soul. So we have to feed our souls as well as our bodies. Mm. And our bodies have memories, you know, like muscle memory. Um, so when, if you do uh, work that spiritual muscle every day, when it does get hard and when it does seem confusing and when it does seem hopeless, your spiritual muscle has a memory and it will remember, you know, to, yeah. to, to rely on it, you know, without, without you, you go straight there without, um, exactly. without even realising it. That's why. I, I Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, um, Layla Abdullah spoke about that recently at, at the retreat. Mm. Someone asked her, how did she have that courage to forgive when her children had been killed? Mm. And she went back to her childhood, you know, that it was like spiritual muscles. All her life she'd learned to pray. Mm. And why I think it's so important to teach our children mm. Because the world is so powerful mm. to teach our children to love Our Lady at a very early age. Mm. Because mm. if if you teach them to love Our Lady, she will take them to her son. Even, mm. you know, we as mothers don't have any say in it anymore. No. She will do the job for us. But we have to plant that seed with our children to teach them to love Our Lady. Yeah. I've got a... I think my neighbours think I'm mad. I have a statue of Our Lady in the backyard. Oh. <laughs> um, but it was uh, my husband was the one who wanted her in the backyard. So beautiful. There you go. Yeah, no, so nothing, beautiful. Yeah. Nothing get the, nothing is wasted and nothing's unseen. Absolutely. Yes. So right uh, now. Okay. Yep. Mum gave me the crying gene, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got oh. it. Uh -huh. um, so, Mum, before we finish talking, we could talk forever, and I'm sure people would like to listen to you talk forever, but I need to know something that has brought you joy. And um, in the last week, it could be in the last month, because I haven't had a podcast for a month because I – uh, had this retreat and I was totally snowed under but no excuses we're back now I've got people lined up and I want to know mum what's brought you joy this week or the last month it was actually last week in the midst of all this COVID drama three beautiful little babies were born and oh. I just thought you know life goes on life is life is beautiful life is evolving and no matter what is going God is in control and these little dear little lives have come into existence. So that gave me joy. And also the the, the communion of saints um, having experienced this death of this dear little boy this week, the, the 
the community of people who came out to pray. Um, the church the other night was just full of young people and, you know, there's so much goodness out there. Yeah. We only hear about the, the, the negative. There is so much faith and there is so much goodness out there. So that gave me joy. Yeah, how beautiful. Well, mine was a... Um... I will have to give a shout out to the retreat because that is still bringing me joy a month later. Absolutely. Beautiful. Yeah. That still brings me joy too. <laughs> oh, I'm going to cry. But anyway, um, there was a, a, a video, an interview that was sent to me yesterday by um, Sister Miriam, uh, James Hydland and Matt Frad. And it is breathtakingly beautiful and I'm going to put it in the show notes and I encourage everybody to listen to it because she speaks with such um, grace. She just She's really normal. And my 21-year-old, my I encouraged her to watch it and her comment to me was, Mum, she was just really normal and beautiful. What what did she say? She, she is just delightful. Yeah. We need more people in the world to hear delightful people delightful. <laughs> so yeah. i encourage everyone to listen to that interview and i will leave it in the show notes yeah all right mum now, now you can put your mascara on oh <laughs> go for your walk i'm and... going for a walk i've got six minutes so i have okay. to okay thank you so much thank you for your time i love, love you love you too bye if you have issues with alcohol or someone you love has issues with alcohol, there are places you can turn to. Alcoholics Anonymous are here in Australia and there are over 2,000 AA meetings held each week. Look them up online, aa.org.au.